Hello, and you are back in the Velvet Room with Joker the Fool. This is our 56th episode, and today we'll be discussing that the blockchain is getting more legitimate and voters are waking up. So, I guess it's very topical to talk about crypto. Bitcoin's on a bull run. The entire crypto uh, market is uh, going on the up and up. But what I want to talk about is I saw this article. Ondo's Finance integrates tokenized treasuries um, onto Optos. That's the uh, the basic headline. And this is a very short um, article. You've got Ondo's um, Finance, which is a tokenized real-world asset pro- platform, has integrated its tokenized U.S. Treasury-backed product, USDY, onto layer one Aptos, which I guess is Aptos's blockchain, which was founded by ex-Meta employees. Uh, and it's the latest network to offer Ondo's USDY. And USDY is a token secured by short-term U.S. treasuries and bank demand deposits. So these are basically um, fiat-based um, assets on the blockchain. And this is really what I want to get at is that everyone's going to be talking about how crypto is worth $60,000. It's going to be worth $100,000 and you should have gotten in on it years ago. And crypto is a future because of this and Litecoin is a future because of this and the blockchain and all, all these sorts of things. But the technology that is the blockchain in terms of um, staking, proof of work, uh, NFTs, you know, you the, the idea of non-fungible tokens and all, all these sorts of things that in the blockchain entails in terms of being able to ensure perfect scarcity with Bitcoin, only having 21 million limits and the mining rate and all these sorts of things. That is the future and everything is going to be on the blockchain. The title of your home, your car, um, business um, shares, uh, you file um, an LLC and it will be on the blockchain and you can uh, basically uh, infinitely fractionalize your LLC, give uh, as many you know tokens to um, people as possible to uh, to own it. It's going to be a fantastic thing. It's going to be part of how we transact. It's going to be a tool that enables a lot of economic uh, activity. And this is indicative of that future. Now, uh, I, I do think, and I, I know that the state actors, you know, the governments, the Elizabeth Warrens of the world are aware of how crypto is on the horizon, how it's going to take over everything, and they want to wrap their iron fists around it and have complete control and get everyone onto the CBDC where um, every the transaction is tracked through the uh, the Fed now system and all these sorts of things. And you have to be aware of that and you have to take steps to get onto um, having crypto and actually owning it. So non-custodial wallets, you know, so a, a wallet that you log into, that you transfer um, crypto um, to from exchanges or um, finance apps like, you know, Cash App or Gemini or uh, PayPal and just transferring that into a wallet where you have the key, you actually own it. So you actually own this uh, crypto and you have control over it. And that's what people really need to do with getting onto the blockchain is to do it in a way where you're not beholden to a Coinbase or an FTX or a Mt. Gox, which was really old back in the day. Because you have the uh, ability then, um, if it's centralized, to have uh, this top-down control. And that's not what we want. What we want is to have this ability where everybody's on the blockchain, but it's um, a network of decentralized blockchains that work um, with each other when they need to and are separate when they also need to be. Not uh, the not a couple of people in a boardroom dictating how much a CB, how much cb of a cbdc you get to have this month in order to maintain um certain inflationary goals that 
are completely arbitrary. So that's really my, my spiel about um, crypto is that every step of the way I see crypto and the blockchain being the future in terms of how we transact economically, how we um, ensure ownership um, of physical goods, of digital goods, of um, stocks and businesses and all, all these sorts of things instead of the current system that we have now. And again, I think this leads a great um, opportunity for um, a voluntary uh, society, a decentralized voluntary society, or um, it will just enable um, our handlers to handle us even more. And it's really going to be where the culture is at. It's going to be how well-informed people are about this, not uh, buying Dogecoin or the latest meme coin and hodling till you die, or buying a PNG of an ape as an NFT and thinking that's going to be your retirement plan. No, it's the idea that the title of your home can be an NFT and acting accordingly. And it's the idea that you can transact with anybody using Bitcoin or any crypto. And it's uh, basically instant and it's very perfectly verifiable and it's a medium of exchange that's guaranteed to be scarce and guaranteed to actually exist. Uh, that's really what it is. And that's the important thing with the blockchain is that it's so much more than what the price of Bitcoin is, or what the price of Litecoin is. It's uh, the way of the future. And you can either get on board uh, and help build a future that's actually worth living in or just uh, close your eyes, plug in your ears and let uh, the, uh, you know, <laughs> the Federal Reserve uh, take control of everything. It really is uh, your choice. But I think with that said, we're going to move on to the second topic. And this is with voters starting to wake up. So, of course, you had uh, Nikki Haley losing to literally nobody. People people voted none of the candidates above over Nikki Haley um, in the Nevada primary. And now, similar things happening to uh, Biden. This is from NPR. The push to vote uncommitted to Biden in Michigan exceeds goal. So, uh, 5 a.m. Um, Eastern Time Wednesday, more than 100,000 votes for the uncommitted option on the Democratic ballot have been counted according to results from the Associated Press. And, of course, Biden has the majority of the votes, 81%, so that's 623,000 people voting, quote-unquote, for Biden. Uh, then you've got, I guess, two uh, random Democrats, Marianne Williamson and Dean Phillips, getting 22 and 20,000 votes, respectively, but uncommitted, 101,436. That's 13% of the vote. That's a statistically significant amount. It's one about one-sixth of what Biden was able to pull in um, for this primary. So this is really indicative that people see Biden, people see Trump, people see Nikki Haley and think, well, not so much. Trump has got his um, base, his um, cult of personality that, that influences a lot of people to stay with him and stick with him. And of course, um, Biden is so monumentally bad that there is definitely more people who are being weaponized against Biden because he's got a lot of uh, baggage politically. But anyways... Uh, a lot of people see Joe Biden, no confidence in him, will vote uncommitted. More so than the 10,000 that um, was the initial um, goal for this, blew that out of the water. So the, the idea that you know Joe Biden is a super popular candidate, can maintain his popularity, is completely um, false and manufactured. Like, basically... So much of uh, the Democratic platform and party 
and uh, all of their outreach, a lot of it's fake and manufactured. I mean, a lot of politics in general is just a bunch of um, photo ops and psyops, really just um, welded and edited together in a very nice way to make it all seem it's like real and lovely and like um, Joe Biden's or, you know, whoever um, has the D next to their name is actually going to save the world and actually knows what they're doing when in reality they don't. Or... In reality, they either have no idea what they're doing or they do know what they're doing. And the destruction of this country is a completely intentional thing. And they're doing it so that way you have to work 60 to 80 hours a week so you can barely pay your rent. Uh, and that leaves you basically, your head's barely above water so they can just take and take and take and destroy society. And you really can't do anything about it. And all the while they'll say, we care about you. Just vote for me and I'll fix everything. And then you vote for them and none of that gets fixed. And I think the wool has been pulled over the um, eyes of people, uh, eyes of the people enough times and people are saying, hey, don't want Joe Biden. I'll vote uncommitted. Uh, I don't want Nikki Haley. I'll vote none of the above because Nikki Haley is just a bunch of talking points. She isn't a real candidate. She's not a real um, person, meaningfully. She's just whatever her handlers tell her to be. And people feel that. People have some sort of awareness of that, whether or not they know it as well as someone like me um, does in terms of how you know artificial, how much of this is. She's just a plant by the... Uh, the uniparty globalist uh, establishment to try and make sure that um, Joe Biden's handlers stay in perfect power. The deep state can stay hyper-focused on doing what they're doing instead of trying to take down Trump. Um, That's really why Nikki Haley uh, exists. That's why she's staying in the election as long as she is uh, when she has literally no chance of winning meaningfully. Um, She's just in there because she's being paid to be there and being um, told that she has to stay in there by her handlers. And she cares infinitely more about um, the people calling the shots behind the scenes than she does... um, the average American and people feel that and people have checked out from that and people associate um, that with Joe Biden. I mean, the man's brain barely works. So people know it's someone else running the show and it doesn't matter if it's, you know, Obama in his sweatpants, you know, doing a third term of Obama. That's, you know, there's this clip of um, that people will say Obama and saying, you know, Obama is the person. It doesn't matter who's calling the shots and running the scenes. It's not Joe Biden and whoever it is, is clearly not doing a good job and they need to get the hell out of here. Oh, I mean, along with the rest of the federal government, you know, decentralization, abolishment of the government, building a voluntary society. I'll I'll say these things until I'm blue in the face, you know, anarcho-capitalist. So I don't like voting. I don't think voting is necessarily the most effective thing to do. I'm not inherently against people. Um, voting or participating in the system, especially if you're a status who has good intentions. Most people have good intentions. They want to do right. They want society to get better. They view the state as uh, necessary in order for that to happen. So it's a very much a hard mindset to break. And honestly, it's evolutionary at this point. Thousands of years, uh, the government, a government has existed in some shape or form for thousands of years at this point. So it's really hard to break someone out of the mindset that the state has a right to exist. And if the state doesn't exist, we'll be, um, you know, everything will be on fire. Society can't exist at all. Uh, That is really it. But regardless of that, people see the way the state is running currently and know that the people who are trying to take control of it are no good. 
and our voters are waking up to that. Now, I can only hope that really goes to Trump as well and people's check out of um, supporting Trump and check out of um, thinking he's going to meaningfully save um, anybody when he's not. I mean, sure, will things be better economically, but Trump's got a lot of uh, issues, not just in terms of just his personality, but all of his policy, all the COVID spending, all the fact that he went on board with COVID, that he was willing to sign the bump stock, man. He's not this very freedom-minded person. He wants to do, um, you know, what works and what's politically effective um, in, in his mind. And he's not always the best at that because he doesn't have too much experience being a career politician, which you really need um, at this stage in the game, especially when you are taking on as much heat as Trump did uh, politically. You need to know how they play, and they play dirty. And he wasn't really equipped for that, and that's why his presidency went the way it did. That's why the 2020 election went the way that it did. Uh, that's probably part of why COVID got pushed so hard uh, in a lot of places was to make it as bad as possible um, to justify Trump being even more of the boogeyman um, or perceived to be even more of the boogeyman by um, the necessary people than he already was because he was killing people with COVID because he wasn't doing everything right. Even though he, he was fine with Fauci being in there, he uh, did Operation Warp Speed. He did a lot of stuff where um, that the uh, COVID crowd wanted. Uh, and none of it was enough because he was saying, well, we need to open it back up eventually. <laughs> and you got people who still wear masks. You got people who are still um, heming and hawing about uh, long COVID and all these sorts of things. But that that's a whole other rant for another day. My, my whole thing is that every candidate has issues. Every candidate is not equipped to make decisions for you and yours. Only you can. And the more people realize that, accept that, and say, hey, voting for people isn't what's going to fix things. Giving the power to myself instead of voting for someone else to make those decisions for me is what needs to happen. I do think we're seeing this trend where people have some sort of realization of this. Whether it's, I think it's a lot you know, more subconscious than it being active, but I, I do think this is a good positive thing for the culture to see um, something like 100,000 people in the Democratic primary, even though it is an open primary, but 100,000 people in the Democratic primary in Michigan say, hey, I can't support Joe Biden. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a fantastic thing culturally, and I will 100% encourage it. And I'll encourage those people who did vote for uncommitted uh, in the Michigan primary, if you're listening to this, to think as critically as possible about the state, the government, and the role it plays in your life, and does it really need to play that role? And I think with that, I am going to sign off. I hope you enjoyed this one. Um, I will have another episode tomorrow, Friday, episode 57. It will be a paid episode. So if you Love this podcast. You want more of it. I will be doing more of it. Um, first and for Friday of every month. But those are paid episodes. You have to go on my Substack And you have to pay to listen to those episodes. But with that little bit of shilling out the way. I am out. And giving you to the outro now. Thank you for being in the Velvet Room. With Joker the Fool. Be sure to like. Comment. And subscribe. Whether you're listening on YouTube. Rumble, Odyssey, or Substack, and be sure to subscribe to my Substack, velvetroompublishing.substack.com, to keep up with Machine to Man and all my other projects.